Hope you are doing well wherever you are around the country. It is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast with Louie and Kempi this morning. Because Daggy, well, he's getting some culture in the Louvre. I don't think it's the Louvre, but some sort of French museum. He's up there doing his escapades with Beaver. But Kempi, do you know what's happening back here? A little bit of Izzy? Do you know what today is for a little bit of Izzy flavour? No idea. What is it? Pango Day. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's Wednesday, isn't it? And uh, they pulled it out of the weekend and put it into the races. Uh, where is it? Warwick Farm today, is it? Hawkesbury, I think. Hawkesbury. Um, yeah, so Pungal goes around today and he gets the magic man, Joel Marrera, on. So one of the best jockeys in the world. So that's exciting. We'll watch that later and report back tomorrow. And we'll probably have to try and we'll do what Izzy does each time Pungal races, eh? And give Paulie Mawadi a wind-up and tell him to give a boost. <laughs> and see what happens. Oh, yeah, I don't look, I don't think Izzy wants a, wants a boost on him at the moment. But we'll check those odds out. And, uh, yeah. It's favourite. Of course it is. Of course it is. With um, Walla, Moreira, yep, Hango. Jeez, I don't, just having a look at the fields now. Um, yeah, well, we'll have a look through that, Louis, and we'll see what we can come up with. It's midweek here. We've got, are you around on Easter, Kempi? Are you here on Friday? I am. Me too. So we'll do a little, we're doing a little Easter special on Friday. Well, I suppose it is an Easter special. Um it's a, a, one of the best long weekends because it's the start of the school holidays, I reckon. I think this might be the last week of term for, pretty sure. My mum's teacher, she's starting a new job. So next start of next term, which is very exciting for her. And she's wrapping things up at Papua Nui High School. And so it's Easter kind of is a, a massive uh, public holiday weekend, isn't it? Because families are all on holiday. You're trying to eat the last of the good weather out if it is still there around the country, Kimby. And talking about the weather, man, it's cold this morning. Um, is it? It's it's actually starting to get a bit cold. <laughs> you know, you know, oh. you know what I mean. So uh, you're dead right. School holidays coming up. Um, Easter Easter break, then straight into school holidays. So it's a bit of a uh, two and a half, three week break for all the kids out there. Um, it's a good good time of the year actually, because you're dead right. End of end of that warmth into. I guess the the footy season, the grassroots season starts too, which is really important always over Easter weekend. Um, and talking to a few mates yesterday, they're looking forward to it. There's a lot of uh, big, what do you what do you call it, like big club days this year around the country. Um, hopefully, we'll get a couple of those people on too to talk about what they've got going on in their community because it's important to promote that. Yeah, and it's almost like this. This is kind of the first year in a long time we've had an uninterrupted run, and there's no COVID or anything. It's just like back to whatever normal is. And I think it's for the smaller communities, it's kind of like, all right, we're finally, it's been a three and a half year disruption, but we are back and moving. And speaking of the rural communities, well, each Wednesday we do a, a rural catch up with Collier's Rural. And gee whiz, today. The boys in the kitchen have absolutely found something out the gate for us, Kimpy. I don't know if I've let you know what we're doing, but it's called medieval dueling in a little place of Ohora in Manawatu. And I've been reading up on this. Medieval dueling is essentially sounds like what it is. It's like a scene from Game of Thrones, and apparently they've been recognised as an amateur sport, so we're going to chat that after 8 o'clock. Out the absolute gate, isn't it? Well, you've got to remember that I played for the Knights. 
our very first our very first halftime experience was medieval duelling. And no. Yep. And uh, the very first game, I think it was the very first game at Newcastle, I was playing reserve grade. I hadn't made first grade, it wasn't until round three. Um and I'm watching I'm watching these guys walk out onto the pitch in full armour. With uh, <laughs> you know, like they got a, they got swords, they got like clubs and everything like that, and then they've got the the shields, and then it was like a referee blew a whistle, and then they ran and started whacking each other with them. <laughs> and I'm like, going, no way, they're actually trying to whack each other, and it's full on, honestly, entertainment. So um, yeah, good get points. <laughs> it's going to be good talking uh, talking about them. To be recognised as an amateur sport, it'll be in the Com Games next, and then we'll see it all in the Olympics, won't we? That's what they're trying to do. David Briscoe is part of the Manawatu Ironhides uh, Club. And they, there's about six of the clubs around the country I was reading, and they do travel and they take each other on it. They said it's kind of like fencing with heavier weapons. So <laughs> it ain't anything like fencing. It is like, it's like best of luck, don't get hit. <laughs> and they carrying all the steel. You know, they got all the steel on too. It's like you know what you see in um, in the movies and Braveheart and stuff like that, where they've got all the gear on and the paint and the. The helmets and that. I don't, mate. You get tired just carrying that around, let alone go, having to carry a shield and a sword. It, it's genuinely like Central District's answer to Westeros and Game Only of Thrones. Only in the CD. Only yeah, in the CD. I completely agree. That's <laughs> exactly right. I was not surprised to see it was a hoarder. And uh, well, actually, I was because I didn't know. But it, the the I guess the the neat part of this is, um, you know. It might be a little bit different to what Colliers was thinking and, and what we have been doing with this rural catch-up. But the neat part of this is, is it's a tiny place. And going back about five years ago, I was reading, they. Uh, this is kind of one of the galvanising natures of that small community. There wasn't a lot left there. They had a flood rip through it. They lost their prison. They lost their coal mines. And they kind of had the, the pulse. Well, they tried to have the pulse ripped out of this tiny little place, Ohura, and um, they found medieval duelling as a, a reason to kind of stay connected as a community, which is so cool, and it's totally bizarre, but very cool. How good. And you love hearing those type of stories. Um, there's quite a few of them around the country where the where the towns have, you know, sort of uh, fallen on hard times, and then some type of sporting event has really re- uh, rejuvenated the community. Uh, rugby league plays a big part in that in and around a community, like Parterre, for instance, that hasn't had rugby league for years. Down with the Parterre uh, Warriors, they've they've come along the last couple of years and really hit the, hit the local competition and, and got the kids going again. And, awesome. Um, you know, sport and communities, you know, when we were kids, we, you know, we used to do every sport. Like, that's just what you did. You know, there was no... PlayStation, there was no iPhone. Um, you, you're, you're lucky if you had a slipper for football type thing. And when you got got asked to play in a sport team, well, what is that sport? I remember getting getting asked to play cricket at, at primary school because I could play softball. And the coach, the cricket coach, was saying, uh, watching me play softball, he said, "Oh, do you want to come and play cricket?" And I went, "Yep." What do you, What do you do? And he just he told me what to do, and he ended, I ended up being a bowler. And and open the batting up because of my hand-eye coordination. You know what I mean? So it's a it's the community stuff that goes on these days and getting people involved, it actually rejuvenates the community. And that's exactly right, Kempi, and that's kind of happened a wee bit here, well, apparently. So we'll talk to David Briscoe about it, and I, I hate to break it to you, mate, 
but I think you might have missed your calling. I think you were the wrong sort of knight. I I think that because I I know the frame on you, and you would wield one of those axes in a seriously impressive way. So I don't know. Maybe it's not too late for you, Kimby. Maybe maybe there's a maybe there's still a role there for you somewhere. Maybe a squire. Jeez, yeah. Given the given the new knee and all that, oh, I don't know. I have to be on a horse. <laughs> You've already a got Clydesdale. <laughs> I'd probably, Clydesdale I'd still it. probably stop that too. Um, yeah, you know, you're not Izzy. He's the he's the stopper. Um, now, so that's a bit of us after eight o'clock. Elsewhere today, we'll. For you on double eight double three, the Temper Bear Post text machine and 0800-150-811, the Kennard's High phone line. I've got some questions I'm going to need answered throughout the morning. Um, we'll start here, just anecdotally. Oh, but Kempi, actually, what do we have coming up after seven o'clock? Because I think we're talking some footy, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're going to uh, we're going to go to Campbell Burns out of the New Zealand Rugby News and talk to him about all sorts of rugby news that's going on. Like for April, we're in April and we've had so many stories already hit the press before the World Cup. So we'll catch up with Campbell Burns, um, talk some rugby. Of course, we've got it off the back fence and an interesting one today that I'll uh, throw a few questions out post-COVID um, and through that 7 o'clock hour too, which is what I've been doing my homework on because I want to have a bet on this one, is the Masters, Louis. And the, oh. and the dinner that's coming up, you know, uh, Tuesday night and, and of course – our good mate Tiger Woods in his twenty fifth Masters at sixty to one. Whether or not you want to put a little two dollar bet each way on him. Well, there's one degenerate that will will be with you there, and that's Guy Havelt. So you won't have to twist his rubber arm too hard. We'll chat to him at about twenties eight. Actually, how's this? All of all of the friends of the show coming together. Guy Havelt said he he he's on he's good for he's good for the chat today, but he might be late because he's interviewing Paul Cole at seven thirty, and he said if Colesy's taking too long, he'll tell him to hurry up because he needs to go chat to his other lads. Is he in Kempi? Bring Coley with so, him. <laughs> yeah, we should get a panel going. Um, Kempi, I, I was I was there's a couple of things that I just needed to rip through here. So yes, we're doing the the medieval dueling. Um, Pungol's racing. The Black Caps are playing today. I need to. I don't know if you noticed in the. That's at one o'clock. Or one o'clock down there in Dunedin. I don't know if you noticed in the office there was a big box of vegetables that turned up at the office. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did see that. Um, I I had the race off yesterday because I had something else on. But um, Neeps looks like he's got a bit bit of extra colour today. Joe, he's uh, he looks like he's got a bit of size about him today. So I reckon they hooked into it when I left. Well, Joe, do you have Joe? Turn your turn your mic on, um, Joseph. Good to good to chat to you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks, Louie. How are you going? Do you remember from the weekend? Remember you, how you produced the good oil in the weekend, Joe? You remember that? I do. It was really fun. Thanks. Yeah. So <laughs> there was a we ran a a, a small business sweepstake campaign. A, a lady called Paula Cook. She had a business called GreenBean.nz, and we were saying, well, what is GreenBean.nz? And it turns out it's kind of veggie boxes, that sort of thing. And we said, well, that's perfect, because we've got a guy that we work with who was nicknamed Joey Scurvy <laughs> because of his inability to consume vegetables and his kind of pale, I don't know, you, well, you know what Joe is, Joe, you know, well, it's Joe. Sickly, but, sickly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheeseburger so, so, man. <laughs> So Paula has sent a box up of uh, beautiful, looks like a lot of it organic veggies and fruit and 
couple of delicious fajoas, Joe, and some apples. And I was curious, how many of those have you put away so far? Yeah, great question, Lee. Look, I know that like what good-looking fruit's supposed to look like, and that fruit definitely looks like it. But just in my eyes... All fruit looks revolting, and I won't even go near it. Because uh, I, I, the thing is, Lou, since you've been away, my uh, well, now that you moved to Christchurch, you know you can't really keep an eye on what I'm eating, and it's got really bad. It's really revolting what I'm eating, like from an other person's perspective. And I haven't eaten maybe a fruit in maybe like I don't know four or five months. Uh, so I just I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I can even go back. Well, I'll, you can, Joe. I'll, you kids, never say Kimpy. never. Kimpy, can you help? Can you sort them out? Oh, fruit salad. We'll have to whip one up after work, Joe, and just, um, I'll tell you what, we have to put something with it that you'll like and you'll just mix it all in and get it into you. Chocolate sauce? <laughs> chocolate. Chuck chocolate <laughs> sauce on it if it makes you eat it. No worries. Don't worry about that. It's like tomato sauce, mate. You put chocolate sauce on everything. I do, actually. Oh, actually, you know how I'm terrified of bananas? Uh, during lockdown three years ago, I did eat bananas, but we just put a ton of t- chocolate sauce around it, and I, I, did, just, I didn't even taste the banana. Like, I, I didn't chew it. I just swallowed it straight. <laughs> that was disgusting. You no. are disgusting, Joe. Just, <laughs> that is... Paula from Green Bean and Z has tried to help you out, and you won't even eat your fajoas or apples or oranges or whatever it is. Uh, Paula, thank you so much for sending yeah, that box. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's awesome. It's for the office, and hopefully, Clado and Sticko were saying, gee, hopefully there's a couple of uh, oranges left over for the weekend, because those boys definitely need God, So they throw, throw it at each other. Those two are the pie kings. <laughs> I come in here. Every every time I come in here with the league and those boys are in before me, there's pies sitting outside the front the door. It's like they take a bite and put it down outside the door. They don't like leaving it in here. It's, yeah, an orange, please. <laughs> it's to throw it at each other. I guarantee it. That is so true. Sticko walks in with these, like, five BP pies. He <laughs> just chucks them on the table. Maybe one or two of them get eaten. <laughs> and then like... they're just scattered around the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that, so that's how it works. This thing. I'm going to have to have a word to Sticko. He's going to have to stop doing that. Oh, he's funny. He'll tell you, it's uh, 41 seconds in the microwave to get the BP pies heated up uh, beautifully. Anyway, actually, we're talking fruit, we're talking pies. It's 18 minutes past six. We might as well rip straight into this. Can't wait question of the day. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be a really weird Wednesday today. What else are we going to do? This year, as you pointed out, Kempi, it's Masters and it's the dinner tonight. And it's Scotty Scheffler's job to host the Champions Dinner at Augusta. So every time you the new winner of the Masters comes back on the Tuesday ahead of the, the Par 3 event, they host a dinner. It gets locked down. It's just the, only for the people that have won the Masters. His menu is lit. It is seriously sick. I reckon, Neeps, after you complain about Harry Kane's burger, I reckon this is a bit of you. Let me tell you what Scotty Scheffler's got on the menu. Cheeseburger sliders and firecracker shrimp. Tortilla soup. Texas ribeye steak or blackened redfish. Family-style mac and cheese. Jalapeno creamed corn. Fried Brussels sprouts. Seasons fries. Warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. Yum. Joe would love that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Scotty Schiffler is Joe's spirit animal, apparently. Cheeseburger sliders, firecracker shrimp, tortilla soup, Texas ribeye steak, blackened fish, family-style mac and cheese. Well, that could support Joe for a lifetime. Jalapeno creamed corn, fried Brussels sprouts, seasoned fries, warm chock chick, skillet cookie. I mean, seriously, Scotty Schiffler just seems like it. He does. He seems like he's just got in there and said, you know what, I'm just going to do all my favourite foods and stuff any cohesion. And I love it, personally. So, Kempi, I'm wondering... If you were so lucky to win the Masters, what's your champion's meal? Ooh, yes. I love that. I, look, I would go to Scotty Sheffield. The other thing about that, they've got to pay for it too. So Scotty, Scotty's got plenty. That's why he's got such a big menu. Mate, there's, there's two things that would be on my menu. And I would have white bait <gasps> as a starter. And they can do that however they want it, but just make sure that we had plenty of it. And then I'd have lamb knuckle slowly cooked for four to five hours, New Zealand lamb, and let people just sit there with a nice kumara spinach type um, side dish to put with it. But just taste the lamb and taste the white bait. That's more, that, that would be mine. Really oh, simple. We, we're going to make ourselves disgustingly hungry at 20 past six. <laughs> That's the only issue with this. 0800-150-811. What would your champion's dinner be if you were so lucky to win the freaking Masters? What are you putting on the menu? And Kempe, you're right. I would love Ryan Fox to win it because I wanted some New Zealand cuisine. Because when Hideki Matsuyama won it, he had sushi, sashimi. It was uh, Miyazaki Wagyu. It was this beautiful Japanese um, kind of Yakitori ensemble. chicken skewers, Sancho daikon ponzu, Japanese strawberry shortcake. That's... That's a, well, of course, I think if a New Zealander wins it, you've got to stay Kiwi. Hongi. A hangi. Hangi. 100%. <laughs> I first of all thought about a hangi. I thought about pua and pork bones, but I went, really, everybody that should want to taste a New Zealand would, would have to taste white bait and they would have to have New Zealand lamb. And the oh. best part of the New Zealand lamb is a knuckle cooked nice and slow. Oh. Joe from Gizzy, where are you? 0800-150-811. This is your bread and butter, brother. Give us a call on the Kenatai phone line. What would your champion's dinner be if you were so lucky to win the Masters? Here at the Chemist Warehouse, the Real House of Fragrance. We'll be back with all of your food suggestions if you were the world's best golfer after this. Well, 27 minutes past 6 o'clock, and Scotty Scheffler is the champion of the Champions Center. And Neeps, do you have that clip ready to go of uh, Scotty talking about what he's got on the menu for tonight's feast. We were kind of sitting around and it was like, okay, well, it's probably time to figure out the menu. And we kind of went like, all right, well, what are your favorite foods? And it was like, well, all of Meredith and I just started listing them off. It was like, well, steak, burgers, you know, fried shrimp, <laughs> um, mac and cheese, jalapeno cream corn. Like I just went through all the list and we got basically all the foods and it's like, okay, what could we actually do? And we kind of narrowed it down a little bit. And then talked to the, the chef at Augusta who kind of is the professional in the room because I'm definitely not a professional when it comes to this stuff and he kind of helped us put it together and I think we did a good job at, uh, it's definitely not going to be on any nutritionist plan but we're going to have fun and we're going to eat some good food <laughs> Is Scotty Scheffler Joe as a professional golfer? Kimpy? Uh, look, he's, I'll tell you what, he's a good bugger because that's exactly right You know, like if you're going to put something on you want people to go away and want to come back you know so Scotty Scheffler, if he's going to put on a feed, you're going to go back to his place, aren't you? If you have, you have someone put on some some green leaves and some beans and you go there and you mean to have a good time, well, get the food right. 
first of all, just like Uncle Brett here, cream parlors and fried bread, dead set, <laughs> 100% I'm coming back to Brett's place. <laughs> Yum. And then, and this is a classic Kiwi text, raw fish, coconut, salad starters, steamed mussels and garlic sauce, a big Yum. slow lamb leg with mint sauce and kumara wedges, ice cream in a cone. Let's go! Yeah, why do we do this to ourselves on a Wednesday morning, eh? Why do we do that? We've got, already I'm, I can't concentrate. I'm thinking about white bait and cream pao as a starter with some raw fish and some steamed mussels and garlic. How good is that to New Zealand mussels? I remember going up to England, this is a little story sidetrack, going up to England and uh, saw this dish on the, on the menu, very first time I saw mussels on a menu. And when I'll have that, I've bottled mussels. Oh, never have mussels in the UK, seriously. They were, I was going to throw them back at them. I said, you know, how, you know how to take those out of the water? They were the size of a teaspoon. Oh, <laughs> gross. Oh. Yeah, mussels. Those aren't mussels. Those are barely pippies. <laughs> Joe's mussels, maybe. <laughs> um, I reckon Stuart Island um, blue cod, Yum. and that, that that would be firmly, firmly on the agenda for me. And, and you could get the uh, mussels and maybe some kind of akaroa salmon as well. I think you could just do a full seafood ensemble from New Zealand. But what do you reckon? If you won the Masters, what would your champion's dinner be? Keep your texts coming through and let's think about it. And if somebody can come through with a great dessert idea as well, I mean, obviously Pavlova seems like a natural one, but if you can come through with a great dessert idea, we want to hear it. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. We'll maybe stop talking about food at some stage this hour. The Kempi quiz is coming up before the end of the hour, but right now we'll get some more sports headlines with Joe, thanks to Bunnings Trade Power Pass, powering your business. Yeah, a group of more than 150 former football, rugby league and rugby union players suffering from neurological impairments are due to join a class action lawsuit against the respective governing bodies. The players allege that the sports governing bodies failed to protect them from concussion and non-concussion injuries that caused various disorders. And um, talk, speaking of the Masters, last year's runner-up, Rory McIlroy, will be looking to do one better and win his first ever Masters this weekend, the last of the majors to loot his grasp. He spoke about what it's like getting over that hump and whether his past failures still play on his mind. Not every experience is going to be a good experience. Um, I think that would lead to a pretty boring life. You know, you have to learn from those challenges and learn from some of that scar tissue that's built up. But, um, you know, I felt last year that I maybe shed some of that scar tissue and, and, and felt like I, I sort of made a breakthrough. So, you know, I'm feeling as sort of relaxed as I ever have coming in here just in terms of, you know, feel like my game in a, in a pretty good place. And, you know, I know the place just as about as well as, as anyone. Also, some sad news just after uh, WrestleMania. One half of Kiwi wrestling superstars and WWE Hall of Famers, the Bushwhackers, Robert Miller, a.k.a. Bushwhacker Butch, has passed away at 78. They were inducted to the Hall of Fame back in 2015 and were heroes to many in the late 80s and 90s. So it'll be a lot of sad wrestling fans this morning, boys. Yeah, right. That's very sad news yesterday. Butch, an absolute uh, Kiwi sporting icon. Tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Kimpy, he was a, he was a legend, wasn't he, Butch? Yeah, he was. And, um, you know, that's, I guess, one of the sad parts of, of sport is when we, we lose someone, um, especially when we're 
can remember what they did um, during the sport. This time passes everybody, doesn't it? And uh, those those days do come around. So um, well done, Joe, for recognising that and, and condolences to everyone uh, associated um, with that sad passing. Just listening to Rory there, I'm a little bit worried because I've been saying he cannot win, but it sounds like he's kind of got shifting mental deep. Do you reckon? Do you reckon he's playing mind games? That's what I mean. Like, which camp is playing mind games? Who's throwing the first shot? The LIV boys or the PGA boys? Is this Rory, the captain of the PGA, throwing the first shot? Rory can't even worry about the PGA versus live battle when it comes to him at the Masters. He needs to worry about the battle inside his head with him versus the Masters because he just can't get over the hump. And that's what I was thinking. Like, he, he kind of... He kind of had me sold there that maybe he's actually doesn't have the yips anymore at Augusta. Yeah, well, look, everyone, everyone, especially these great athletes like Rory, Rory McIlroy, finally get over the hump. He has got a win in him. You know what I mean? And I just think that he's playing some mind games here. I think he's hitting the ball well enough to be up there. He's what well, he's six to one on to win it. Um, so his favourite was Scheffler to win it. Um, and I know that people say he can't win it, but you can never say can't. You know what I mean? No, not not when he's that talented. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. He, he, of course, he can win it, but I don't think he can. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger can win it. He's at sixty to one, mate. I'd give Tiger more chance of winning it than Rory, and I know how insane that sounds, and people will be laughing at me. Don't forget the crayfish. Bluff oysters and venison backstraps, lads. Let's go, Charlie. A Vinny backstrap off a beautiful wee fellow. Oh, Yeah, and that, bluff, oysters were, bluff oysters were on my list, list, but, yeah, bluff oysters is, oh, it's actually in season two, so you're dead right. They'd get there. 100% good call, Charlie. Crayfish, yeah, crayfish was there too. I did decide between crayfish and white white bait. I think white bait goes further. <laughs> but if you, I know you said you don't care how they do it, but you, you wouldn't want like the American chefs just like dumping a bunch of eggs in there and kind of washing out the white bait. You know, you'd have to have it pretty, you'd have to fly over, you know, one of our, Al Brown or something. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand chef only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about that text from Ed? <laughs> oh, here we go. Steinlager stubby for entree, Steinlager tall bottle for mains, and a steak for dessert. Yeah, of course. So I'm old school. Steak, eggs, and chips, the green parrot. If, if you haven't been there, get there, because that is awesome. Oh, it's so good. So good. So good, Ed. And boys, better hope Foxy or a cuz... Doesn't win the Masters, they'd have to dig up the putting green to put down the hungy, wash it down with big pots and every two-litre tub of tip-top vanilla ice cream. Choice. <laughs> well, that's a that's a real Kiwi. Oh, that's a real Kiwi Kai. That I'd be first in there. They're dead right. We'd have to uh, get um, Rewe Sprague on over there, mate, to run it so so he can take one of his hungy pits over there and and get it done right for everybody. He he he'd handle everyone there. Don't worry about that. Imagine the look on Tiger Woods's face as he sees some bros start digging up the 18th fairway. <laughs> 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 like Jack Nicholas is like 
rolling over, like, what's going on? Oh, hilarious. And, Fo- um, and Foxy's standing there with a sign like a stubby. That's it. <laughs> and a, that's right. And Steve Williams and, and Sam Pinfold are there with their big bots. There's a few Kiwis there. There's a few Kiwis there at uh, Augusta. Uh, no, I was speaking to Penny yesterday. He was playing. Uh, him and Cam were going to play 18 with Adam Scott today and get a good look around. So... They're under no illusions that um, Cam needs to find something. He hasn't really been firing on the Live Tour this year, so they've been honest about that. But that's exciting. This this bit of Kiwi connection over there, and Guy Havelk can talk about that a little bit more in about an hour's time. Uh, but we're going to talk. Well, yeah, we are going to talk Masters tomorrow as well with Craig Perks. So um, we've got plenty of golf chat to, to close out your week. Have you have you still got that um, in the CBA you signed with SCNZ, Kempi? Do you still have that written in that Ruben has to shout breakfast on? Public holidays, exactly. Yep, every public holiday we come in, Ruben, uh, and he's been sticking sticking to his guns. He missed the last one. I got Neeps to phone him and see and see where our bricky was. But yeah, dead right. Get in, get in now, um, and make sure he's ordered because on Friday morning he probably have to order it Thursday, heat it up, and send it to us Friday morning because nothing's open. Yeah, I mean, wonder, wonder what he's going to do in Christchurch. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting He'd have to concept. Carry it. <laughs> <laughs> he better, he, we better get it out this afternoon so it arrives. <laughs> yeah, I hope he, I hope he's prepared and on to it. Oh, there you go. There's one warning shot for Ruben. Uh, it's 20 away from seven. Up after this, it's the Kempi quiz. We got a fifty dollars TAB bonus bet, and there's some nice racing today around the world to have a little dabble on if you're interested. Or remember, there's the Masters this weekend, Izzy Arasanya. There's so much to have a punt on if you're into that sort of thing. So you want a fifty dollars bonus bet? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Give us a call right now, take on the Quizmaster, and we'll see what you can muster. This is how you do it, Quizzy that can play it. This is how we do it, Quizzy that can play it. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Yes, that's right. Kempi quiz is on right now, and you can call on 0800-150-811 for your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet. And we're going to go to the lines. And it's Timmy from Christchurch first up. Morena, Timmy. Morena. Morena, Morena. How are you? Oh, very good, thanks. I've got me got me nice warm cardi on this morning because... <laughs> that uh, ooh, that winter's coming up from bit, the deep south. Getting a bit like that straight after, straight after uh, Donut Saving. She's a wee bit cold in the morning. She certainly is. Uh, let's get cracking into this. What year were the Bushwhackers inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Oh, um, I did read this. Uh, have we got a clue? It was a one for the good guys in Super Rugby. Um, oh, 2005. Sorry, Timmy. Yeah, the good guys. It's got a five in it, though. But uh, let's go to Brent. Uncle Brent Hutley, how you going? 
More than up. Oh, hungry now. <laughs> hungry now after listening to you, fellas. Yeah, don't forget, drop that cream pile and fry bread off too, eh? I know you got some in your in your in your yeah. uh, in your oven. <laughs> Powers do not last at my house because they do not make it to the freezer. Yeah. Uh, Twenty fifteen. Too easy, too easy. Question number two: Ryan Fox's Stellar Stella 2022 season earned him the award of Player of the Year. Voted by his fellow players on the DP World Tour, which legendary golfer is the award named after? Nah, can't remember Sam Smith. Unlucky, no. A good-looking man too, this fella. Let's go to Caleb and Manoa too. Morning. Good morning, lads. How are you? Very good. Ryan Fox's Stella 2022 season earned him that award. Which legendary golfer is the award named after? Uh, I won't have a clue, so I'll go um, Gary Player. Sorry, Caleb. Let's go to Brenton in Auckland. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. How are you going? You heard the question, Ryan Fox, the player of the year. Which legendary golfer is the award named after? I don't actually know. Maybe Colin Montgomery. <laughs> going all the way around him. Everyone's going. Everyone's going around him. No one wants a clue either. Let's go to yeah. Honet. Let's go to Honet in Christchurch. That's right. If you need a clue, Louis will give you a goodie here. So let's go to John. Morning, John. G'day, Gibby. How are you, mate? Very Pretty good. Sure, I know this one, mate. Give me Ballester off the thing, mate. Too easy. Too easy. All right. Which team won the NCAA College Basketball Championships March Madness? Come on, Leroy. This is your day, brother. All right, this is your day. Morning. Oh, morning, Gibby. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you... Yep. Oh! Wolves. I knew you were going to say that. No, but, yeah, they pull something normally, these these wolves. Um... All right, let's go to Zaid. He's he'll get this one. Morning, Zaid. How are you, brother? Yeah, good. Was it Connecticut Acon bet San Diego? On the money. Name one of the fighters in the co-main event at UFC 287. Too easy for Zaid. Oh, uh, Jorge Masvidal man. Um, Gilbert Dorinia Burns. Great there fighter. you go, mate. Who wins? Yeah. Um, I think I like Jorge. That's my guy. Yeah. Oh, hey. Okay, let's see if we can get back after being smacked down. Anyway, last one. This is for your $50 bonus bet. Zaid, how many players are there on a lacrosse team? Oh, on a lacrosse team. Can I have a clue or no? I don't reckon you need one, Zaid. Don't need one? It's not a strange number. Famous number. I don't know much about lacrosse. Um, Blocker nine. Oh, oh, so close, Zade. Unlucky. It's not nine, but very good guess. We go to Ed and Tolaga Bay. Morning, Ed. Ten players. (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) Congratulations, Ed. There you go, Ed. Ten players in the lacrosse team. I'll get a, I'll get a stony for that one, Cousy. Yeah, yeah, you go and help yourself. You go and help yourself. Don't forget you've got work today. Be responsible. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. It's a bit early. <laughs> there you go. Ed wins the $50 TAB bonus bet there on Kempe Quiz. Don't forget, 
you know, if there's any callers out there, we want to come in and dial in. The new caller will go straight to the top. And, uh, man, Louis gives some good good clues there, Neeps. That was a good, that was a good quiz. Pretty uh, pretty easy, you reckon? Oh, it's probably probably one of the easier ones, Kempi. But, you know, we'll, we'll continue to ramp them, up, ramp them up throughout the week, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, give, we'll come back to you tomorrow with another $50 opportunity to win a $50 bonus bet. Uh, and we'll be back straight after this. SENZ, welcome back into the broadcast this morning. We are flying on a Wednesday. Plenty going on this week, including the Masters. Oh, Masters week. And that's got us thinking if you were lucky enough to win the event, let alone play in it. And you were the champion putting on the champions at dinner. What feast would you provide for your colleagues out there, the best golfers in the world? Because Scotty Scheffler, well, he's got shrimp cocktails and brisket and cheeseburgers and all of that good stuff. 0800 that's the Kennard Tire phone and we want to hear from you on. Double eight double three. the Temper Bed Post text machine. Kempe, the Premier League has in full swing right now. Bournemouth and Brighton nil all. Nottingham Forest has pinched a 1-0 lead over Leeds United 15 minutes in. Villa, Leicester City locked up at nil all. And Chelsea, Liverpool getting underway right now. So a very, very busy morning in the Premier League. But we do have a couple of texts still trickling in about these feasts at Augusta. Yep, there are a couple here. There's a big, nice one here from Jamie. Great show, guys. Hey, speaking of Kai, I saw former Warriors player Sid Iru has an amazing Facebook show on his seafood and wild foods and how to cook a good feed when it makes me hungry. Uh, every He makes it hungry every time he sees it, and that's Jamie from Wanaka. I guess the other thing about putting this menu together, it has to be a Kiwi chef. So maybe Sid Iru is the Kiwi chef that goes along and cooks it. Um, and another one here from Roy. This is my new favourite question of the day. Going to go with roast pork, crackling, and crispy roast potatoes, then apple crumble and whipped cream, custard, and ice cream. He's obviously having uh, memories of his grandma Sunday roast because that's what that sounds like. Um, oh, yeah, that. That's any day of the week, that one, Roy. Nice one. I'd have that for Friday morning. I'd eat that for breakfast. I think that would travel quite well and a bit of tinfoil. Yeah, it would do. I'd love it. All right. Maybe we'll we'll investigate that a wee bit. It's six minutes past seven, Kempi. We're going to park the food for just a second and talk some rugby, eh? Yes, considering club footy only started last weekend, 2023 has been an extremely busy year of rugby already. With Super Rugby all picky come and gone, Rugby Pacific in full flight, and a new All Blacks coach named, there has been a lot to digest in a year, which is just going to get more and more intense until a world champion is named. It suits us just fine, though, and it also suits Rugby News Magazine and editor Campbell Burns, who has a bumper April edition, good to go, and he's on the line with us now. Morena Campbell, how are you this morning? Very good morning, gents. I'm well. Yeah, mate, a bumper issue, um, April edition. You know, can you recall a start to the year with so much rugby content, Cameron? Campbell? Uh, no, no, I can't, I, I can't to be fair. Uh, what did we kick off uh, with Opiki and Super Rugby Pacific on the same weekend in late February? So it's been all go since then. Of course, uh, the Sevens uh, was on in... Hong Kong last weekend, and as you say, uh, club stuff is all, uh, has all started. Um, the junior rugby will be starting by the end of the month, and first 15 in schools will be um, uh, officially yeah. starting the start of next month, so it's all going. So it's busy enough as is normally at like this time of year. It kind of encroaches into, super, into, uh, sorry, into cricket season these days, professional rugby, but the whole all-black coaching saga 
Scott Robertson finally crowned as the successor to Ian Foster. How have you gone about covering that in a monthly magazine, Campbell? I'm curious. Yes, it was a fairly tough one there, um, Louis, I have to say, because uh, we were working on a uh, mid-April timeline for the announcement. That was what uh, New Zealand Rugby had led us to believe, and they don't move that, that quickly, as we know. So uh, we were banking on that and looking at a two-horse race between Joseph and Robertson, and then on March 21, on the day we were going to print, uh, Scott Robertson was suddenly anointed as the as the coach for 2024. So we had to uh, move things around a bit, change up our cover uh, to reflect that, which we've done with um, with, with the Razor's Edge uh, cover um, with uh, with Robertson at that at that press conference. So it was a very uh, very hurried change, but that's the uh, unfortunately in, in publishing with with deadlines, um, you know, sort of two weeks out from appearing on sale, that's what you have to go with. But we certainly, we, we had a story in there anyway, which we tweaked uh, slightly on the on the All Blacks coaching saga. So uh, it wasn't a straightforward one for a monthly magazine, but uh, it, certainly it was uh, it was big 24-hour news cycle. Yeah, you get you get a month of, of massive headlines, don't you? Like how good are the sevens going? You've got you know, uh, Razor getting named as the, the new All Black coach, and then you've got Alan Bunting, who's another popular coach um, and man amongst his players. How have you seen that story unfold? Yeah, well, that was interesting too. I mean, um, uh, Bunting was announced um, a, a few weeks before that, so there was a chance for a more uh, relaxed uh, interview with with him and, and his philosophy for the next three years leading into the Rugby World Cup. So, you know, he he's got a he's got the twin aims of winning, but also uh, growing depth. Uh, given there's going to be probably seven or eight uh, of the of the ladies who were there at the Rugby World Cup last year are not there for various reasons, retirement or, or seven. So. Um, you know, he's, he's had great success with uh, the Blackfern Sevens. Um, doesn't have a huge background in 15s, but did take, take the Chiefs Manawa to the Opiki title last year and was the cultural lead for the Blackferns last year. So he's, he's an interesting man. He's a very understated man, um, but uh, I think it was a good call by New Zealand Rugby to, to appoint him. Um, and we just await uh, the start of their program um, late June and hopefully, uh, hopefully more test matches on these shores later in the year. I was just about to ask you that, Campbell. Did you talk to Alan about the schedule and calendar, and is he passionate about having more rugby for his team that he's about to start coaching? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, it was uh, slightly frustrating in that the calendar hasn't been um, 100% confirmed. We only know um, uh, probably a handful of games through June, July, August, um, and at the moment there's only one uh, one home test in concrete. It's hidden concrete, but they're hoping that that uh, Global 15s tournament, uh, the Global XV tournament will be in place in New Zealand so around October. Um, that would be great, but uh, I mean, again, that hasn't been confirmed, so that's probably a source of frustration for them, um, and indeed many other Black Ferns fans, because uh, it's pretty hard to gain momentum when you don't know when you're playing your next game. Campbell, what about the Super Rugby? Like, um, you know, you look at how the Chiefs run. They're they're on a roll at the moment, and the Blues are they are they real or are they pretenders? The Blues, well, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Only three and three. I mean, I think they will get better. They they have been a bit scratchy, really. Um, <clears throat> even well, having said that, they probably could well have won last uh, last Saturday night if they uh, hadn't made so many errors there. So that was tight. So they're still very much contenders, but they're not as clinical as they were last year. And whether that's the forwards not quite being as accurate um, and, and as physical at, at the collisions um, and at set piece um, is one of those question marks around them. But I would think that they'll certainly be in the playoffs and and I'd think they'd still finish high and high enough and high 
up enough to uh, you know to be, to be amongst those contenders, and, and I still think the Crusaders can do that as well. <clears throat> I worry for the Blues. I really do. I think they look blunt. I think they look dour on attack, and then you add in the like the critical errors that they have been making, which you can tidy those up. But on a whole, I, I just I don't, I'm not seeing it at the moment. I, and there's a lot of All Blacks in that team. And in a World Cup year, I'm always and look. It's as a well, you know, I, I hand my parson as a Crusaders fan, and I always worry about the Crusaders when there's a big All Blacks year on because of natural reasons. And you got players like mm. Rico Yuani and Bowden Barrett. Um, I'm not worried about Finley Christie at all, but some of those seasoned All Blacks, they really need to play themselves into form. And I'm not saying they would never prioritise their Super Rugby season, but I, I don't know. There's just something just a little bit off with them at the moment, Campbell. Yeah, well, it was interesting because that uh, that whole issue of um, of All Blacks and their mindset in a Rugby World Cup, yeah, I mean, as Leon McDonald said to me at the start of the season, they they come into Blues training, they're, they're Blues. They're, they're, they're not All Blacks, so they've got to... In other words, play their way into the All Blacks, and for some of them, um, you know, thinking that they've got to be peaking in October, they, you know, that they, they probably uh, at, at the start of the season they're not necessarily firing on all cylinders. So it doesn't worry me that um, that someone has a an average game in late February. It probably worries the fans of the franchise. But if they're looking at the bigger picture, so someone like Rico Yuani, he's not playing badly. Um, he's not on peak form yet, but you would think. By May, June, at the business end of Super Rugby, some of these guys are starting to, starting to come into into form. I think Bowden Barrett just had a poor game um, in, in isolation last last Saturday because no one was complaining about him when he scored 20-odd points against the Highlanders in, in round one. So I think there's still a chance for that to to, to turn around. Um, some of these other guys, I mean, Hoskin Saitutu has been in, in superb form. Um, he's been their best best forward um, for the start of the season, and he's obviously subject to All Blacks rest as well. So... He's, he's probably the form number eight in the competition. So there's a couple of players in, in decent nick, but Mark Talia has been up and down. He's had some injuries, concussion. Um, same with Caleb Clark. Um, you know, so some of these guys haven't really sort of fired yet because they haven't been necessarily fully fully fit. So um, yeah, you would expect that to, to turn around because they have got pretty good depth. But um, I mean, it's a worry at the moment, but it's still only April. Yeah. Good call, good call, Campbell. Hey, let's just talk a little bit about community rugby, Campbell. I think one of the stories um, that will come out later on in the year is this new tackle technique that the uh, the New Zealand rugby are trying to uh, implement throughout community rugby. Are we expecting a store, uh, uh, some coverage of that um, in the in the additions later on this year? Yes, yeah, we are absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it remains to, to be seen how that sort of plays out because. Uh, you're talking community rugby with no TMOs, so the referees have got to make the call at the time with, with their with the assistance of their uh, of the AR. So um, you know, hopefully, there's not going to be too many incorrect calls on there. But I think fans are going to have to, and parents are going to have to get used to the fact that um, the tackle height has to come down. It's not going to be like they were looking at in the UK, where it was below the waist, because that's crazy. But but I mean, the the target is below the sternum. It's not going to be any higher than that. So that's just going to be. And have to be an adjustment, um, and, and we'll be certainly keeping an eye on that and looking to do uh, pieces further down the line as to as to how that pans out. Um, it's not an ideal situation, but this is the, the direction rugby's going with, with safety being being paramount. I think there's got to be an element of co- common sense from the referees and, and all involved. Um, you know, I mean, if it's a, if there's a clear headshot, then that's clear. But you know, what happens with accidental head clashes? Um, you know, we see in Super Rugby, it's just 
crazy the amount of cards given out for accidental head clashes. Um, you know, I mean, what are you supposed to do in, in, uh, in a dynamic game um, when, when you're slightly crouched and, and the guy's running slightly crouched into you, you know? I mean, um, accidents happen in this, uh, in this dynamic game. So, so those, you know, these are all things of the game that I, th- I think there does need to be a lot more common sense involved uh, from the officials. Well said. Very, very well said. And we saw that in the Six Nations as well, the last round up there. And the English-Ireland game, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's concerning heading into a World Cup that you might get a, a game dominated or a tournament dominated with some just, you know, rugby incidents. Hey, you know, Campbell, how there's this trend with rugby league coaches going into union setups as defensive coaches or, you know, the Kidwells of the world. And I know Eddie Jones was fishing around. You, you know, you're very familiar with this trend? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, the, the main one is uh, is Sean Edwards, who's been around for a while in rugby, but he's come over from rugby league and has done great things um, with um, in, now with France um, in particular um, with their defensive yes. system. So, yeah, and of course you've got um, Andy Farrell, who's a head coach of Ireland, coming from a strong league background. So, yeah, there's a there is a certainly a growing trend in that area, not so much in in New Zealand, um, but certainly well, overseas. Well, do I have a proposition for you? Acting on behalf of my client, uh, <laughs> a, a Kemp, uh, we've got a we've got a, a rugby league pundit here that would just. Can you imagine Kempy with some punchy rugby union columns in your magazine? Just some, you know, cut, wading through the politics of it all, just off the back fence, league to union, because that's what he does every day on this show. So um, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> true, yes, I'm sure be... there'd be some interesting uh, stuff you'd have there, Kempy. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Muggleton was a first defensive coach. If you want to go that far right. back, and Les Kiss, of course, yeah. the North Sydney um, Bear was a, was another one that went to South Africa. You know, most of these defensive coach Campbell, none of them could tackle. <laughs> Mike Ford for England. All right, played halfback inside me a castle. He couldn't tackle. I did all his tackling for him. Sean Edwards was a halfback. Um, Les Kiss was a winger. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. unbelievable. So imagine if you got someone that could tackle, tackle teaching, uh, tackle defence and rugby union. That's the type of column yeah. you get. Oh, mate. Well, you can imagine someone like um, uh, Andrew Merton's Andrew Merton's taking uh, you know taking tackling sessions um, with uh, hey. with the Waratahs. Can you imagine that? Hey. Easy on Mertz. <laughs> leave, leave, leave my childhood hero out of it. 18 minutes past seven. Campbell, really appreciate it. Where can uh, people get themselves a copy if they if they so f- uh, pleased to do so? Yep, so our April edition with uh, Razor on the cover is out today and tomorrow. All good uh, magazine outlets and bookstores and um, supermarkets. And, of course, you can um, you can subscribe, which is um, cheap as chips, uh, rugbynews.co.nz or 0800 777 Beautiful. Just like that, Campbell Burns, editor uh, of your Rugby News magazine, and it's a very busy time of year. It's crazy to think we're only at the start of April. It's only rugby season now, Kempe, and we've had all those storylines playing out already. It's it's absolutely crazy. Always good to talk to you, Campbell. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Um, That's the Rugby News magazine. It's available in all good magazine retailers and supermarkets, and why not subscribe by calling 0800 777 one zero or visit www.rugbynews.co.nz. Good uh, chat, Louis. You're trying to get me another another article that I need to write every morning. But I love the way you think. Well, I'm just thinking like punchy. <laughs> once a month is uh, fine. Once a month, I'm thinking like you know, let's you could you could frame it like you know, rugby laws are so overcomplicated. The game of unions are overcomplicated. But I'm coming with that league simplicity. Here's what you need to fix, and here's how you do it. Bang. You know? Yeah, right. That'd be, oh, mate.
They'd sell some copies. Actually, I don't know why we're giving away our goodness to Rugby News Magazine. We've got a we've got our own show right here. Maybe that's something we'll look at heading into the Rugby World Cup. Would you do that, Kempi? Would you give us some rugby, maybe a rugby-specific take once a week heading into the World Cup? Oh, yeah, look, I you know, there's a lot of politics that plays out in sport. Um, one of the biggest one, one of the biggest political issues in New Zealand in sport is this issue between rugby and rugby league. That just never goes away. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, look, I had a conversation on what day are we on Monday with a with a local council who are building a sports centre, and the issues around rugby league, especially, are it's Jurassic the way that people think. And I just think that if you've got that in in mind, I've always had the adage, Louis, simply that rugby and rug, rugby league would benefit so much from each other. I remember having a conversation with um, the principal at Westlake uh, High School and around they had this academy for rugby. I said, well, why don't you have an academy for the oval ball? I said, because in your school you've got kids that could play AFL, touch, rugby, rugby league, you know what I mean, tag. Why don't you have an academy for all of those sports as opposed to just saying, oh, we're a rugby academy? It just doesn't make sense. You'll attract more kids to come and play sport. So um, Dave's a good guy. No, you know, he went from not entertaining that conversation at all to, to running junior Kiwi rugby league tests in a school. Now they've got two rugby league teams. You know what I mean? So if they can take off their blinkers, um, I think the conversation between the oval ball and the benefits that they can offer each other, mate, it's <laughs> Mike Ford is defensive coach. I still laugh at that. Wow. It's a trend. You've been calling it for a while. And we'll see what the next evolution of it is. Well, Suali um, is obviously part of it, and there's been crossovers, so we'll see what he can do. But yeah, and I, I know what you mean. Like, and you, I remember you talking to Steve Lancaster and saying, you know, some of these some of these clubs, and as we talk about rural New Zealand, um, what about you know amalgamating the the clubs and and using rugby league as a preseason for rugby union? I know that was something you were passionate about, and I hear what you're saying. We'll get you off the back fence in just a wee bit because I feel like you're cooking something up today. Leicester City, Aston Villa are one each. Liverpool, Chelsea are nil all. Brighton's ahead on Bournemouth and Leeds has tied it up with Nottingham Forest. That's what's going on in the Premier League right now. We're here with Chemist Warehouse, the Real House of Fragrance. Kempe is off the back fence after this and I feel like he's got something for us today. So we'll tune back in with that. The Back Fence with Tony Kemp. It was good to see the return to New Zealand of our overseas-based sporting teams post-COVID. But it's thrown up some inter- interesting theories now that they have returned and settled into the old home and away fixtures. Let's have a look at the breaker season. On the road, for near the entirety of the NBL season during COVID, they returned post-COVID to become within a whisker of taking out a best-of-five game final series. And the Warriors, who are four from five, have started the season only emulated twice before in 2003 and 2018, both those years making the finals. So what is it? Is it recruitment? Is it being back in your own bed? Or is it simply plain old luck? For me, it has to be a combination of these things as well as one key ingredient. Both teams have developed resilience. If we've learnt one thing through COVID, we've learnt how to become 
more resilient across the board, on and off the sporting field. And I think that the Breakers and the Warriors, because of their sacrifice to remain in Australia to keep their respective competitions going, have developed unbelievable resilience. While both teams bask in the glory of the respective winning runs this year, bear this in mind. If the Warriors can emulate the Breakers' season and make it through to the grand final, it would not only be remarkable, but a well-deserved reward for the team and their individual sacrifice. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. I love it, Kempi, because there's a big difference in being resilient and feeling sorry for yourself. And once you get out of the way and you, you just say, well, that's the reality and this is what good we can take out and this is how it's moulded us and this is how it's going to be part of our culture and it's there and it's in the rearview mirror, but it's now a part of us. Let's use it for good. And I think you've found something there and I definitely know the breakers would have used it. And then you, you've got a different group of players coming in as well, but there would have been some core people involved in that Warriors unit, including the CEO, including some of the senior leaders, Torhu Harris, your captain, who would have known how tough that was. And it'll be front of mind. It'll be back of mind. It's there. It's part of them. I love it. I think that that's a, a really salient point. Whether they can go all the way and, and replicate what the breakers have done, I don't think anyone necessarily expects them to or are asking them to in the Andrew Webster's first year. But the, cop, the the fact that you can lob that out there and say that this is something I've noticed is a, it's a really special time for the Warriors. Yeah, it's it's a real um, – like a, the theories you come up with, like is it their defensive prowess, is it the attacking prowess, the coaching ability? You know one thing that, we, we're, that we're actually – looking past is what they've done in the last two years. And I looked at Sean Johnson, and the reason why I say they're more resilient, because I'm looking at their attitude off the football field. Like, they went through so much that they, to me, look like now, and the Breakers had, had given me this theory a long time ago, is that they just go, well, we can't, you can't batter us down any more than we've been battered down. You know what I mean? We've lived away from home. We've missed our family. We've taken shots across the bell for two years. Like, it can't get any worse. So let's just get out there and enjoy ourselves. And to be honest, resilience, when you've got it, you got you got that for a long time with a, with a bunch of blokes. So um, I know it's too early to be talking about grand final, but I'm just saying, you know what? Resilience, if they get that right, like we've seen, they, you know, I was going, well, they can't lose the likes of Mitch Barnett, Noor Kore, you know, um, and, and Tohu Harris. They just don't have the depth. Well, what resilience does is what they did against Cronulla. Gives them some belief and go, well, we actually, we've been in tougher situations than this. So that's my take on it so far. Six, six to eight weeks, you, you get a good look at what, uh, what the competition's doing and we'll come up with some predictions probably next week about where we think they'll end up the top eight. Love it. Is there merit in that theory? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven double eight double three. Can you see a different team for the Warriors this year? Is the resilience on show something that you have noticed? Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together with shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Aroha. It's twenty seven minutes away from eight o'clock. Let's get some more sports headlines with Joe. Thanks to Kennard's High. Kennard's High too easy weekend. As you mentioned before, Louis, plenty of Premier League action going on this morning with Leeds, Leicester and Bournemouth all playing vital games as they try to stay out of the relegation zone. Meanwhile, Liverpool and Chelsea are tied nil all just before half-time. Uh, and this is an interesting one. 
Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City are set to continue their derby game tonight, 110 days after it was called off, around the 70-minute mark when fans stormed the pitch and all hell broke loose. The game will kick off with 21 minutes left on the clock, strangely. And while you can expect absolute scenes, hopefully of a friendlier kind, at uh, Augusta, if Tiger Woods somehow wins this year's edition of the Masters, he was asked whether he thought um, this could be his last chance to wear the green jacket. Yes, it has. Um, I, I didn't know. I mean, last year was kind of a, um, didn't know if I was, I was going to play again at that time. Uh, for some reason, everything kind of came together. And I kind of pushed it a little bit. And I was able to make the cut, which was nice. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many more I have in me. So the, just to be able to appreciate the, the, the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. Well, Louis thinks there's a pretty decent chance he's going to win it, eh, Louis? With uh, you saying that McElroy has zero chance, the Tiger's more likely to win it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a decent chance, but I think he's more chance than Rory, so... I'm sure Rory's a decent chance. Him. No, he's not. Not on my books. I, I know that that's ridiculous to a lot of people, but <laughs> I just can't see it. Um, get out high, too easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and Z's applies. A couple of good texts there for you, Kempi, on the Warriors. Yeah, it says uh, here from an unknown texter. Hi, guys. To me, it looks like the Warriors refuse to lie down. They refuse to give up. They got that attitude. I, look, I, I totally agree. I think at the moment, across the board from, uh, I'd say, one to to 24. Um, Dallin Watini Zelezniak is back this week. He's sitting in the number uh, 19 jersey, so we might see him come back as well. Um, I think they've got that attitude where they're all playing for each other. And um, here's another one from Brendan and Timuru. What about a hybrid game that union and league players can play pre-season? No line-outs or scrums, allow contests to break down for three phases, then play the ball. Brendan, you're on the money. Absolutely on the money. The concept um, that we put together down the line is that a hybrid game would be played in a nines or ten scenario. Um, and this concept has been talked about for quite a while to bring it together and play in a tournament. We were off, we were offered it to the whole of New Zealand to put together their best rugby and league players around the country to come to a tournament um, in that hybrid game. It would work, Brendan. It would work. Absolutely. Uh, I would love to see rugby union played with ten meters back. You know, a little some bit more space, space for, oh. for, for some space for ball players. I just think it would become a better product. To be brutally honest, twenty three away from eight o'clock. Speaking of hybrids, well, we're going to talk hybrid clubs with Guy Havel after this. Hopefully, he's done with his man Paul Cole interviewing Paul. And Guy went to Augusta and he was lucky enough to play it a few years ago. This is his biggest week, his, his favourite week of the year as a uh, sports and golf journalist. So we'll touch base with him and see what his big storylines are for this week at Augusta. The Masters, yes, it's Masters week on the 5th of April and we'll be back talking to him all about it after this. The Rumour Mill with Izzy and Campbell. a little bit differently. Guy Havel just been held up slightly, so we'll catch up with him later in the show, but we have a rumour mill open here. We just stepped into the sauna. Double eight, double three. what are the sporting rumours from around the traps? Local, international, domestic, men's, women's, college basketball, college rugby, 
Spirit, what are your rumours you have from the last week or so? We're going to float them out there into the ether. Kimpy, you got anything? Mate, I've got I've got a couple of beauties that have been Ooh. like Ooh. actuals. Actuals. Ooh. Actuals. But the big one coming out, the RTS story about going back to the Warriors, he's actually going back to Australia. <laughs> and he's going to sign for the Waratahs. And the reason being because he played so long in Sydney, he still has Australian citizenship. And Eddie Jones wants him a second 5'8 for the Wallabies. Actual. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Staggered. Okay, RTS. Well, we're talking, we're talking rugby. We're talking rugby league crossover. So, makes sense to me. I, I did, I did hear something in the wash up of the WWE UFC deal yesterday. When we got offline from Kevin Ioli, he just mentioned that he had that chat with Israel Adesanya, and he just, I think this is is his last fight with the UFC. I think he's going to the WWE. He's going to bulk up. I think that they're starting a new weight division in the WWE. I don't know. I don't know. I just read between the lines. I think this could be it for his role as under the UFC. I think he's going to the, the sister company. Well, he's got that dance. He's got that walk on. That would look Top. good. But totally entertainer. But the big one... And this has been, like, this has come out Aussie. Um, oh. Yep. And got a phone call on Monday from uh, the Aussie boys on SEN to talk about this licence that's coming into the NRL because they've heard something. And apparently mm. ACC, I'm not talking about ACC, I'm talking about the Auckland City Cruisers. <laughs> They're going to put a bid in with the new waterfront stadium here in Auckland. ACC. Is, is Leo Malloy the cheerleader, the mascot, or the CEO? Well, I'm actually catching up with Leo this afternoon, so I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> hey, when you do, just, uh, should I'll tell you that off here. I like that, QB, ACC. I, this, is, this is international, and um, I, I'm not going to reveal my source on this because you'll know him straight away, but this is international. You know, earlier in the week, we were saying that there's been 12 managers sacked in the EPL this year. A record number. And this is radical. This is radical, but I can see the merit in it. Apparently, the Premier League bosses are considering bringing in a rotation policy for coaches. So coaches can only manage one team for one month at a time before they have to move to the team below them on the ladder. And that's to stop the managers being sacked <laughs> by these owners. Oh, who would want to be an EPL coach? Seriously. Now we're going to get more of them that, that would actually come in. That, I actually think that one's actual. That would happen. <laughs> <laughs> the rumour mill's been swirling. I've got oh, one there's... more, though. I've got one more. Yes. I have. Yes. And... Just a little birdie down at Mark Chittix was talking to me. Came up yesterday. 
and they're going to put together a new slot race down at Tarapa. First slot sold. I wish I win's coming back. And it's going to be run the morning of Grins the Race. <gasps> Apparently. 2024. 2024. They're gunning for it. Butch Castles. Tarapa. Dual code. I wish I huh. win. Cambridge. Huh. Self-assured. The race. I've <laughs> <laughs> heard crazier things, Gimpy. I've heard crazier things. I probably wouldn't have seen anything as crazy as the live golfers storming the 18th green at Augusta if Cam Smith drains the winning putt, though. Greg Norman dressed in a shark suit, jumping out of the water. But I would like to see it. I would like to see it. So, Sharky Norman, hold your word. Storm the green with the live players. I don't know if he's actually allowed on campus this year. That's the rumour mill. What do you have? Double eight, double three. You may, must have some rumours out there. Come through with them right now. Oh, 800 as well. Up after this, we're going to talk the race. We're going to talk self-assured. And Kempi's also got a menu for what our champion's dinner would look like at Augusta. So we'll round that off and let you know exactly what we'll be serving up. We came. We saw. Self-assured. He conquered. It's self-assured, though. Self-assured. It is assertive best. And he gets the race by Grimms. This equine powerhouse to beat Majestic Cruiser and thread over Spankham. The first ever running of the race by Grins was a dream come true. We watched in awe as our representative in self-assured and Mark Purden sat parked and was way too strong in the finish. This year, we're running it back and we want six of you involved. So... Text the race right now to double eight double three with your name and where you are around Aotearoa, and six of you will be honorary shareholders and self-assured. The best part, if he can defend his race, you'll win two thousand dollars. Text the race to double eight double three right now and go on, self-assured. Double eight double three, your name. The race, where you are, it's easy. Are you giving yourself a chance to win $2,000 here? Because self-assured, well, he's back at the races tomorrow, Kempe. He's at the Dunstan Horsefeeds Flying Mobile Pace. It's a Group 2 at Cambridge, so he's going for a look around. 8.32 tomorrow night. And did you see the news about who's going to be driving self-assured? Uh, I did. I did. I think um, just the name slips my Natalie Rasmussen. That's right. And she's, uh, yeah, I reckon not bad. Not bad that Natalie's on it. Razor sharp, they tell me. Greg O'Connor. Greg O'Connor went out of his way to ring me and say, mate, if there was someone I had driving for my life, it would be Nat. I was like, wow, that's big praise. Sure enough. Okay. You're getting your Uh, hands back on that trophy. (laughs) That's right. Have you still got it in the studio then? Yeah, I have. Where is it? It's around here somewhere. Just down here on the, just in front of me. I'll have to get up and uh, grab it in the break. Oh, how good. Well, there we go. Self-assured. Natalie Rasmussen driving for Mark Purden. Mark Purden's driving a Cooter. Don't read into that too much. They tell me it's because of the ownership situation and Mark Purden might actually own a Cooter or have part ownership. So uh, Blair Orange is obviously going to be with Copy That. He's got to be a massive chance, a massive threat. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's starting to kind of come together as a beautiful looking race. Kango for Anna Donnelly, David Butcher, they've got a slot. And self-assured, well, he'll be second up this Thursday. He'll be getting fit for next Friday. And Mick and me are going to be there doing our show live. And we need, and we would love to see so many of you, double eight, double three, texting through, trying to get involved for the race. Uh, we've currently got four people, and this will be the fifth. And then next week will be the last chance to get yourself a spot in the sulky with Natalie Rasmussen and the team at SCNZ on self-assured. So there you go. Double eight, double three. Light us up. More text, the better. Come on. Give yourself a chance. All you got to do is send a text. But it is three minutes away from eight, and we've got a bit of housework to do or, or kitchen work to do, I should say. Yeah, mate. Just be, just got off the phone to Foxy, and uh, we've got this menu. It's called the Fantastic Mr. Fox menu that we've put together. Is this for next year after he wins the Masters this year? Yes, yeah, so we're working on we Well, we have to because we've got to have to go and do some diving. And um, okay. we have to get the hangi put over to the 18th tee. So here we go. We're going to start off with the entrees, which will be Bluff Oysters freshly shucked, accompanied by Stewart Island blue cod battered bites. White bait heavy on the white bait, lighter on the eggs with mussels tempered. And fresh twizzle smoked salmon with a little bit of Uncle Brett's Huntley Cream power accompanied by Kempe's mum's fried bread. And while Rewi Spragan, the master of the hangi, is putting it down on the 18th, we'll have some slow roasted lamb accompanied by a South Canterbury Pinot Zeus and just a touch of mint sauce. Venison smokehouse back straps. Oh. And of course, who would forget some raw fish topped Oka. on top of that beautiful hangi? That'll be coming up just about time to get to that dessert. Well, Pavlova, of course, because the Aussies and Cam Smith would want to claim that. And we just thought, because everyone would be so full, we'll throw each one of them a two-litre tub of ice cream. Hokey Pokey would be my favourite. Give them a spoon and have an ice cream fight to finish. Because there's nothing better than a two-litre tub of ice cream splattered over everything. Oh, okay, Ryan. All you got to do is go and bloody win the thing. We'll deal with. We'll we'll cater it for you. S E N Z. Hutchie said he'll pay. Kimpy is going to go to the diving with Brett, Joe, Daggy. I'll get down to Stewart Island and go get some of that cod. I'll go charter a boat. Sorted. We just need Foxy to go and win it, Kimpy. <laughs> come on, come on. I'll t- I'll take the food tester, please. Ah, love it. Brilliant. That's what our champion's dinner would be like when Ryan Fox wins the Masters. Hey, after 8 o'clock, this is not a typo, we are going to be talking about medieval duelling for Collier's Rural. Right now, it's news with that for Kubota. Together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Joe, you might be fired up. Four minutes past eight o'clock, it's the 5th of April and it's about to get weird on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Izzy's up north hanging out with uh, Hick Elliott, Jerome Kaino, he's got Tim Nanai-Williams, Charlie Farmawina, Beaver Donald, they're having dinner, all the All Blacks based up in France I've seen. Pungal races today, it's Louis and Kempe here 
right through till nine o'clock. And well, I'm Kimpy. I'm back on the Succession train. HBO's feature yeah. show Succession. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the second episode of the la- last season? Hundred percent. Yeah, I like that show too. It's uh, I find it so funny. He's like if Santa was a hitman. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's some absolute gold. And well, yes, we're talking su- Succession's the latest HBO star show. But you remember Game of Thrones? Obviously, the uh, just dominated the airwaves for a long period of time, and we're about to get really weird. And I like it because it's all about community. It's all about rural New Zealand. And at five minutes past eight, I think we should just rip straight into it. Sport and the connection to the land on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Yes, going back centuries, sport has been a key facilitator when it comes to maintaining a sense of community in rural areas. The world isn't what it once was, though, and many people prefer watching Netflix than attending a local rugby game. A small town in the one or two, however, has found a solution by looking deep into the past. Medieval duelling may sound like a dark art we abandoned centuries ago, but over the past decade, it's made a major comeback. Recently, it was recognised as an amateur sport by the New Zealand government, with half a dozen teams scattered around the country. It's a sport that has captured the imagination of everyone from accountants to farmers, including Dave Briscoe, who fights for the Manawatu Ironsides based in the small town of Ohura. He joins us this morning to speak around the origins and the growth of the sport across Aotearoa. Morena, David, thank you for joining us on Izzy and Kippy for breakfast. How are you this morning, mate? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. If, there, if, if you were in Game of Thrones, David, which character would you be? Uh, oh, I wouldn't have a clue. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> the mountain. That's who you would be. The mountain. All right. <laughs> Mate, tell us how you got involved in medieval combat. Um, well, I've always been uh, interested in, you know, knights and stuff and watched Robin Hood growing up. And then in 2014, I got uh, asked if I wanted to join the team. It was a... Uh, getting made and uh, been doing it ever since. David, thank you so much for joining the show this morning. Uh, seriously, this is really neat that a small town in Manawatu is into this. Could you just give us a bit of a background about what it looks like? For, for those of us sitting here thinking, what actually is this, where is this, and how many people are doing it? Could you run us through your monthly Saturday or whenever it is you get to, to together with your mates and get into it? What does it actually look and sound like? Well, we uh, armour up in full steel armour, which weighs between 30 and 40 kilos, um, each uh, with real steel weapons, but they're blunt. And we do team stuff. Uh, we do a lot of three versus three in New Zealand because we don't have enough fighters. Um, overseas, it's five versus five. And last team standing wins. And you just no holds barred. You just go as hard as you can until they're on the ground. Last team standing wins. And seriously, I'm just sitting here. I I was telling the boys that I'd uh, actually watched a duel. Because is that what you call it? Is it a, a duel or a, a fight? I don't know what the, the term is. But the way that you guys hit hit each other with those blunt instruments, like, have you suffered any serious inju- injuries? Uh, 
No. Uh, well, in saying that, I was uh, ambulance off the hospital in Denmark to get spinal x-rays um, that turned out just fine. But uh, no, just bruises. Uh, um, the armour protects you like it's supposed to, like it did back in the day. Whereabouts are you based, David, and why Ohura? Why is it popular in that small part of New Zealand? Uh, well, um, the guy that started the team that I'm in in 2014, he lives in Ohura, so we do a lot of trainings in there. But I actually am on a farm just out of about 40 kilometres out of Taupo, but um, we go and train quite often in Ohura and host tournaments there and everything. Uh, and it uh, it seems pretty popular with the locals there, and we always, you know, when we have trainings and tournaments there, we support the local Cosy Club for meals and drinks afterwards and that, so they enjoy having us there. Oh, I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's great. It's what small town New Zealand's about. So you're on a farm out of Taupo, you said. Um, yeah. What do you kind of colleagues or your family or your, your mates think of it? And, and do you get a good grounding on the farm, you know, smacking in steaks and... Uh, cutting down trees and having to clear, you know, uh, culverts and that sort of thing. Is it? Is it? Does it quite? Does it transition quite into wielding an axe and a, a sword, trying to decapitate someone nicely? Uh, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, ramming in posts and things and uh, drenching calves certainly uh, teaches. It gets you really good for pushing people around. So yeah, yeah, it does transition in the, in the general fitness from working the land stands in good stead. That's for sure. Who's the Richie McCaw of duelling? Uh, of duelling, because for us, duelling is one versus one stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So who's so, the who's so, the team? Like who's the Richie McCaw that does all the clean up? And you go out there in your in your team's um, events, and you go, man, we got to get this guy out early on, otherwise he's just going to clean us all up. Uh, yeah, that's probably me at the moment. Um, I'm currently the New Zealand captain. <laughs> I'm currently the New Zealand captain, and they all seem to want to take me out as soon as they can. But I'm trading up some other fellas to take that off me, so people will leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I I had no idea, Kev, we were talking to the Richie McCaw of medieval uh, dueling. So <laughs> that is that, that, that puts it in pers- put it in perspective. David, how many people we have you got involved, and how many teams are there around New Zealand? Like, what's the kind of circuit looking like at the moment? So we have uh, currently have seven teams in New Zealand at the moment that can field um, a team for three versus three, uh, and we're trying to build it up. Uh, but so in New Zealand, it's it's still quite small. But like the World Championships um, over in Europe would have 400 fighters taking part from all around the world. So we're only small at the moment, but hopefully with it now as a registered sport in New Zealand, we're hoping to get more interest in really be able to push things along, grow the sport. Do you have like a World Cup? Yeah, the, the World Championships in, is uh, usually fought in a castle in Europe somewhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I can see it all now. Like, is it the, the night before, is it like, on you all get around big tables and, you know, ales, ales and like get right into it and, you know, it's your last battle. Does that, is there speeches like, Braveheart and stuff like that. What? What? Take us through. Take us through the night and the day. Well, because um, the night before we treat it as a proper sport. So the night before is 
is uh, pretty serious and all of that. And then, you know, in the morning, you're armoring up, getting ready for battle. But we certainly have uh, a good time the night after the fights and usually, um, you know, have a few beers with your opponents and hang around and um, sit and and, uh, around a big bonfire or something with some beers. It's uh, always a good time. Outstanding. I love it. I think this is brilliant, David. I really do. We've got a text here on double eight double three. People are interested. We we'll have to ask how they uh, join up if they if they're in the region. They might want to carpool with you from outside of Topol. But um, where, where do you get the gear from? Do you weld it yourself? Is it just off the farm? Is it old materials, or is there is it tailor made? Do you have to import it? Is it from old battles and you know the Saxon days? Where, where's the gear from? Yeah, so uh, they import most of it from Europe, uh, custom-made. So the uh, kit, uh, full kit ranges from 2500 to about $5,000. Wow. And what's your choice of weapon? Uh, I usually use an axe, because who doesn't like hitting people <laughs> with an axe? It's honestly, it is. This has got to be one of the best sports I've ever spoken to. But, but just, just to clarify, is it a blunted axe? It's, it can't, can't be like an axe that we're just we're going down and cutting a tree with, can it, Dave? Well, it is a blunted axe, but I can split wood with it. <laughs> oh. I um, yeah. I never thought I'd use the words decapitated nicely on radio, but that's where we are at. That's where we're at today. So, look, it's a. This is. I think this is important because it is a small town. It's a. It's a small town. It's a small part of New Zealand sport. But you're trying to hope to grow it, and we're not prejudiced at SCNZ. We want to give all different sports, especially ones in the regions, their time in the sun. Um, just on your day job, you. Yeah, what sort of farm? What sort of farm did you say you had? Is it dairy? So, yeah, dairy support. Um, so I manage a 1,000 hectare dairy support block. So I take calves when they're weaned and grow them up for two years and then send them back uh, ready to have their first calf. How's the, how's the uh, summer been for you guys in that part of the country? Oh, it's, in terms of grass growth, it's been the best summer we've ever had. Um, more grass than we know what to do with. We just uh, didn't really have summer as an issue. I yeah. think we might have had three days of sun in a row. Yeah, join the rest <laughs> of the country. Otherwise, David. it rained all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey, I just this this is a really important point. New Zealand government has recognised you as an amateur sport. Does that mean that you get funding? It does open up avenues. Yes, so that we can apply for grants and funding and things now that it's officially recognised as a sport. And how can we support you if we if we wanted to support um, medieval? Uh, battling or whatever you do, how, is there is there a website we can go to to to, to join up and support it? The best thing at the moment is to um, look up on Facebook uh, the armoured combat things for your region. So we've got Man or Two armoured combat, Tiapo armoured combat, Tower on the Titans, Auckland armoured combat, uh, Felag, and the uh, Hut Valley Stags. And the steel forms all on Facebook. Then you find your local one and look up from there, or um, look up HMBNZ, which is the title for the society. Beautiful. Well, 
We're going to send Joe and Neeps down to the Auckland Armadillos to get involved. So they'll go awesome. and try that out and see see how they like it. And, David, all the best. Um, I would love to – I think one of the next innovations, and I don't know if you do this already, I'd love to see a Facebook live, st- <laughs> Facebook live stream or – or something like that, if it's PG enough that we can watch along. And when you get to that stage, make sure you get back in touch and we'll tell people how to follow along. Yep, we will do. <laughs> that's David, that's David <laughs> Frisco. 17 minutes past eight. We've been talking all things medieval combat here at SCNZ. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm just getting my head around the whole thing. Like, here's a text and here's a text coming. Jesus, what's the what's the fatality rate? Like, like I, I, it actually looked like that when I was sitting on the sidelines watching it. It actually looked like they were hitting each other seriously with all that stuff. Forty kilograms. Can you imagine? Like, that's two bags of cement. It's carrying two bags of cement around with you before you can actually swing it anyway. Well, I was reading, Kimpy, that the the face mask, the helmets that they wear, there's like only tiny cracks of vision because back in the day, (laughs) they had to have so much metal over their face so they didn't cop a bit of shrapnel in the eye. So they they could only see... <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't doesn't seem right, eh? Whoever the whoever the genius engineers were back in those days, they uh, honestly. I love it. I love that was such I a great love, chat. I love that David Briscoe and the uh, Manawatu Ironhides are, are doing what they're doing, and as you you heard them, you can go and get involved in your local region. That was just brilliant, David. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, well, that was with Collier's Rural Neeps. Hey, um, I've got a question for you. Now, David tends to use an axe. What would be your weapon combination, Kippy? Do you take a shield and an, a big axe, or do you take a little hatchet and a sword? What What's your weapon combination there? You got two hands. Yeah, I just need one, one, one weapon, and it's one of those clubs that you hold with two hands, and then you swing it. That's all. That's all I'd need. I don't. You don't need a shield. Just get in there. Get stuck in. Oh, you're all offense. And the connection to the land on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. <sighs> 19 minutes <sighs> past breath. 8 o'clock. We need to get back to some sort of hockey players that are on a farm or something next week, I think. <laughs> get back to the tried and true. Uh, here with Chemist Warehouse, the Real House of Fragrance, Paul Mawati of TAB Can't Be Far Away. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, and that was everything you need to know about medieval combat. 24 minutes past 8 o'clock um, this morning, and gee whiz, we're having a fun old Wednesday. It's all getting a little bit weird, so what happens when it gets weird, Kempe? We go to the weirdest bloke we know, which is Paul Mawati <laughs> at tab.co.nz. Paul, are you guys, do you guys have books for um, medieval combat? That's the NRL, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> answer. Much. That Pretty is much. a good answer. What about Pungo, Paulie? Are you boosting the odds? We get straight to it. <laughs> no, if uh, if Izzy can't be bothered staying in New Zealand, then uh, <laughs> unlucky, unlucky. When he's back, we'll have another look. Well, to be fair, Pungo owes you nothing, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> After the skinful you got off him last time. Um, actually, Paul, I'll, I'll read this text to you and Kempi because I think this is probably a, a good summation of where we're at. Morning, lads. Davo here from Cambridge. Not sure if you're on the league subject today, but I'm sure you are with Kempi there. I hate to say it, but I was a huge Warriors fan until about six, seven years ago and swore black and blue I would never be back, but here I am eating humble pie. I have watched the last two games, and while they have come a long way instead of went on attack, just passing from one side to the other and putting a kick in, they actually have attacking moves, which they have been lacking. They finally got a forward pack that want to smash everyone and everything that gets in the way. Keep up the good work, lads, and the Warriors. That's from Dave. And I think that is a very poignant text of how a lot of Warriors or Rugby League fans will be feeling around the country. Kempi, we talked about it yesterday, but Paulie, have you seen that reflected in the odds? Are you taking lots of different bets on the Warriors at the moment? We are taking plenty, and they've already moved slightly from their opening quote. I think they're around a dollar eighty-two uh, when the boys uh, open that book. The Warriors now into a dollar eighty to beat the Knights. The, it's pretty much one-way traffic in that head-to-head uh, market. Uh, the Knights now a dollar ninety-seven. So yeah, a lot of support for the Warriors. Um, it, it's look, they they always have support from that uh, that solid core of the, the the Warriors faithful who just back them every week and have backed them every year for, for just forever. So it, they're finally starting to get a, a wee bit of reward from the Warriors this year. They've backed them in the top eight as well. I think they're now into a dollar eighty to make the top eight. Of course, they wow. currently sit in second place uh, and, and looking very good. And they look like they've got a wee bit of depth in the squad as well. Um, and obviously, if they if they lose a couple of key players here or there, that'll really test their depth. But at the moment, um, just it's especially their defence. Their defence really, really does look solid. I know they looked a wee bit shaky early on against the Sharks last weekend, but they tighten that up uh, in the second half. So they, they do. They look really, really good. Uh, plenty of support for them at a dollar eighty. They're also taking them minus one and a half. And there's a few punters out there who are really keen on them, 13 and over as well. So, yeah, the support for the Warriors has just been ridiculous uh, in the last couple of weeks after the start they've had to the season. Uh, I'm just having a look at the Thursday night game as well, where the Storm are favourites, only just $1.77 up against the Sydney Roosters at $2.02. And there's, uh, the betting's fairly even in that head-to-head book. But in the anytime try scorer market, I can tell you, the boys have already had to make uh, a slight move. Joey Manu has been uh, well-backed. Looks like he's at uh, full-back uh, this week. So he's been backed in from $3 to two eighty-eight to be an anytime try scorer in that Melbourne Storm-Sydney Roosters game. And he is the best-backed uh, player in that anytime try scorer market uh, for the Thursday night game. So Joey Manu, plenty of action on him. Just like that. Everything you ever needed to know about rugby league. Thank you, Paul. It was very, very, very thorough. Can be anything to add? Oh, you got anything for us today, Paulie, with the racing down in, um, obviously, Rickerton and uh, up here in the, in the north? Yeah, I know. A couple of uh, Wednesday uh, meetings. Um, look, the boys are just, I think the scratchings are just starting to come through now and the boys are just getting stuck into them. Um, but I can tell you that we've had a, a bit of support uh, for a Lance Noble trained uh, uh, Perincanto per filly uh, in mm-hmm. race one, uh, Valata, uh, with Warren Kennedy, uh, Kennedy aboard. 
uh, was 450. I think the boys are just starting to get those markets back open. They shouldn't be too long. But Velata has seen a wee bit of action there in race one at Tauranga. Love it. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate that. What a treat for a Wednesday, Kempe. We've got two thoroughbred meets on, uh, Ashburton and, of course, Tauranga as well. And it's a soft six at Ashburton. It's beautiful weather down there. It'll probably get to a five. It's a good four up at Tauranga. This is like the best Wednesday ever. Yeah, still make the most of it. Well, the tracks are not uh, not at the wor- at their worst. So, um, yeah, you'll probably find one today, Louis. <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I could be so lucky. I have been having a look through. Nothing's jumping off the paper at me. Maybe I'll have to have a, a good look a little bit later on. There is a, a former North Islander down there for Terry Ray in the South Island that I don't mind Erion in race number eight, but um, she's also got surcharge in the same race, Terry. So just have to watch the markets. I think midweek. My tip for midweek punting is watch the markets. Watch the markets. We did have a text here from somebody. Race nine, Ashburton. Al Manette, and it's two forty into two dollars. Race nine. Joe Cameron writing for Mark Walker. So two forty into two dollars. Watch the market. That kind of fits that bill. Lance Robinson's got a horse in that race. That's eight fifty into six fifty though. So a couple of market movers in race nine. But we did have a text there from an unnamed texter from the Walker Stable. Straight to the bank. They said There's a bit of confidence there. Twenty nine away from nine o'clock. Here's Adelaide with the news for Kubota. Together with shaping and building New Zealand. Guy have out talking masters before we end the program today. Right, here's a man who, more than anything, wishes tonight he was eating cheeseburger sliders and firecracker shrimp at the Champions Dinner with Scotty Scheffler and the lads, but instead he's here in New Zealand reliving his trip to Augusta, as he does annually, or actually probably daily. Guy Havelt, he's a pal of ours, TVNZ uh, sports reporter, does a lot of good work around the golf greens. Guy, how hard do you try to get a junket back there for Foxy this year? Because I noticed you're still in New Zealand, so you, you didn't try hard enough. Morning, fellas. Uh, yeah, I, I fooled a few people, though, on Instagram by posting a photo from uh, 2017 and, and uh, captioning it with uh, the best week of the year is underway uh, and got a few messages saying, oh, you're lucky, buggy, you're back again. So, uh, you know, I wrote a few people in. Uh, yeah, I tried. I tried. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be human <laughs> if I didn't try. Um, but no, I am stuck in New Zealand. Um, I will watch from afar, probably not get a lot of sleep this weekend and uh, like everyone else in this country, I think hope that hope that Foxy goes well, and uh, I genuinely believe that that he can go well around Augusta uh, in great form, and these wouldn't it be outstanding to see him in the mix on Sunday. Hey, guy. First things first. Are you trying to get on the squash tour? Are you? How's Coley? <laughs> yeah, just spoke to Paul Cole. Uh, a little group media Zoom with him. Uh, he is in great nick as always, boys. I know you. I uh, talked to him a lot on your show as well. Uh, what a man. Uh, what a squash player. Uh, very interesting, though. Talked a lot about um, you know the mental side of squash and, and how much he's gone through that. So, um, yeah, he was in fine form, plays the British Open this weekend, um, uh, and uh, obviously um, defending champion there. So hopefully he can uh, continue on his decent form. I think he won in London, what, about two or three weeks ago now. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he can continue that form on to, into, a, into an event that he does pretty well in. He loves his golf, actually, Colsey. He does. He's, uh, oh, no. He enjoys he enjoys the sticks. So he'll be loving this weekend 
as well. Havel, can you give us and everybody your top three storylines from Augusta this year? Three, what are three things? I assume Foxy's one of them, but what are the things that you just can't wait to follow and kind of critique as it goes on? Well, yeah, Foxy's number one, obviously, from a New Zealand point of view. Uh, a Kiwi at the Masters uh, is pretty rare. A Kiwi at the Masters who has a good chance of being in the top 20 uh, is even rarer. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited around uh, Ryan's week ahead. Uh, obviously, any event that Tiger plays now uh, is one that everyone wants to follow, and particularly when it's at Augusta, and particularly what he did in 2019. So interested to see how he goes. Uh, I know there were a few people yesterday saying that he's still hitting it, as crisp as ever, but that leg uh, is, I think he said it, it's still feel, he still feels a bit of a thud in it in terms of pain quite often, so that's not a great sign uh, in terms of walking around what is a very undulating golf course. Um, I know he obviously knows Augusta probably better than anyone else in the world um, in terms of how to play it, but uh, you still have to have a body that's going to live up to the rigours of that, and I don't know if the league is going to be able to do that for Tiger this week, uh, but very interested to follow that. And then I'm also interested to see how these live guys go. Live guys go. Look, I, I think they'll get, well, they seemingly already have, and I think throughout the tournament they'll get a, a reception that's pretty natural, pretty standard, um, very welcoming, that sort of thing around Augusta. But I'm just interested more to see how the competitive nature of live um, there are good players there, but I don't think it's the week-in, week-out competitiveness of the PGA Tour. Very interested to see how that translates into a major championship around a course like Augusta National. Brooks Kepka won last week on Live Tour. Um, Dustin Johnson was up near the top of the leaderboard. Cam Smith has been going pretty average on Live Tour uh, since he joined. So those are the guys that I'm quite fascinated about to see how uh, they go and, and see if if Live is really a tour that, that can get these guys in decent form for a major championship. Sticking with the top three um, theme here, Guy, who's your top three players to watch? That, that's a good question, Kempi. You've really put me on the spot there. It's like that, that could be like throwing a dart at a dartboard, to be honest, <laughs> um, around a place like that. I think I think Rory McIlroy will have a chip on his shoulder this week. Um with all the live chat again, uh, he's kind of the guy who has been, um, you know, he, he's been the saving grace, I suppose, for the PGA Tour. He's almost been the commissioner without wearing the commissioner's hat. You know, he, he has done everything to that tour to keep it chugging along. And I think every time he plays at the moment when there is an element of, of the chat around live to it, he seems to rise to the occasion. He has never won a green jacket, obviously, uh, has been very close before and probably should have won one, uh, well, about a decade ago now. Um, and so I, I think he will be there or thereabouts at some stage uh, th- this weekend. Uh, so I'd like to see him go well. I think Brooks Kepka, um I-, I know I was just talking before about whether there's a question of, of if uh, the Live Tour can live up to performing at Augusta. Uh, Brooks Kepka is a good enough player that I think he'll be there towards the pointy end as well. Um, and well, who else? I'm just going to have to say Foxy. I'd just love to see Foxy do well. I genuinely think his game can go well around there. Uh, it'll rain a little bit at Augusta, I believe, this weekend, which will soften it up a bit, so his long distance should should suit uh, or should, should strengthen his chances, I mean, because he'll be able to get it down the fairways a lot further. Uh, the greens will be soft, so he should be able to go at some pins. 
very, very hard for a first-time uh, player at the Masters to go and win the thing. I think there have only been five in history who have done it. So for him to be able to go and do that will be very difficult, uh, but I still give him a decent chance of playing pretty well around here. As I understand it, uh, from a very good source close to Ryan, he had two practice rounds uh, after the Players' Championship there. The first one went horribly. He shot in the 80s. The second one, he improved by 10 shots in the space of a day. So uh, I believe that he's already learned a lot about about the golf course in the space of 24 hours that he got to play it um, leading into this, this tournament. And the the beautiful thing about Foxy is, Guy, and you know this, he's such a good bloke that there's plenty of other Kiwis around the traps at Augusta, as you know. They, they come out of the woodwork, and then you've got the, the caddies over there and um, the other, well, the Aussies, the Aussie contingent down there as well. And they'll be helping him out. This isn't necessarily going to be, you know, they're not going to be freezing him out. And I think that he's kind of got that nature about him that he'll be leaning on that. He won't be too good for the place and... He's going to give himself every chance because of that wonderful nature of person he is. So it's very, very exciting, mate. And just, I know you would have thought about this multiple times. Your champion's dinner feast, what, would, what are you putting on? As your- <laughs> that is an outstanding question, Louis. Uh, look, I, I've been lucky enough to eat some food there, and I've got to tell you, uh, whatever the chefs, wherever they get their chefs from, um, you know, they are, they are top of the range. So I know the food there is outstanding. Uh, I'd be getting some sort of some sort of steak in my champion's dinner because I know that they cook it perfectly, medium rare, obviously. Um, and then, oh, Jesus, I'd like some chocolate roulades for for dessert. <laughs> Go look that up. Uh, if you know what chocolate roulade is, then you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, like a chocolate cake on the outside and then mousse in the middle of it. The best dessert you'll ever have, fellas, and I know they do that pretty well. Probably not as well as my mum cooks it, um, but uh, it'll be right up there, I suspect. So... Yeah, some steak and some chocolate roulade, and then throw some throw some other goodies around it. That'd be. That'd, that'd and then be just go shoot fun. in the seventies. That yeah, go shoot in the seventies the day after. It's it's just all of your favourite things, Sky. Thanks for your time, mate, and good on you for dialing in. Uh, enjoy the week. We'll keep in touch. You'll be tweeting up a storm, so we'll uh, know exactly what you think at all times as we tend to. Appreciate it, mate. Enjoy the day. Good on you, boys. And Jordan Spieth was the other one who I think will go well this week, so look out for him too. But appreciate it. Good to catch up. Thrown him in late. Spiethy. Thrown oh. him in late. Hey, yeah, uh, Kempe, Izzy was Colin Morikawa. Tomorrow you and me have to get our official picks down. We might... <laughs> I'm, we might I'm do sorted. A... Yeah? Yep. Okay. We'll save it till tomorrow. I think there could be merit in doing a draft. Oh, so we can we can add people as the days go by. And oh, I was thinking, I was thinking we go one for one. You know, we take three golfers each or five golfers each or something. I don't know. We'll workshop that. We'll workshop that. Seven away from nine. Uh, there's a couple of really good texts there that we'll try to get to quickly before Smithy on the other side of us. One last text, Kimby. Boys, all good things come to an end, and I can't think of a better time than around 10 p.m. on Easter Sunday. Get up, Newcastle. Also, when Spieth wins the Masters, it will be the third year in a row he's won on Easter weekend. Get on him, says Craig. <laughs> he's, on, he's on one. Go Craig, go hard. Well, I can't lose this weekend. Newcastle, all the Warriors, if they win, I'm uh, I'm up. But I don't think Spieth wins. I've got another winner, but you have to wait till tomorrow. It's the Kempe Bowl, the second time already this season. Um, Smithy, three Easters in a row, Jordan Spieth has won. That is some sort of stat. Well, he's playing well enough, but I don't think he's playing well enough for long enough in a tournament. 
You know, I think he's capable of leading. I think he's capable of being there or thereabouts. But over the four rounds, he'll blow. So he, he won't win it, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Kempi. But if you won it, what, what, what was your meal going to be? Oh, it's it's too long to rattle out quickly. But there was bluff oysters, stewed on and battered blue cod bites, mussels tempured, creamed power on fry bread, and some slow-roasted mm. lamb with a South Canterbury Pinot Noir juice. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. My show's cancelled. I'm hungry. <laughs> Hold it together, Smithy. Hold it together. What do you got coming up? Uh, we've got uh, Josh Cromfeld talking about Bushwhacker Butch. Uh, we've got uh, Ray Tool, who won the Plunkett Shield yesterday for the Central Stags. Uh, we've got all sorts today, actually. It's just a real... Smorgasbord on the subject of food. It's a smorgasbord of sport and entertainment. I tell you what, Ryan Fox. Uh, what is he? The best rest of the world at twenty-five bucks, Smithy. That might outpay for it as well. Well, he needs. Oh, we got, he needs we, to win. We, <laughs> so we can go put our hangi down next year. <laughs> Fourteen seventy-six.